Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to the CHGO Fire Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the DraftKings app and use code CHGO when you sign up. And shout out to anybody who took a flyer on DraftKings Sportsbook on the Chicago Blackhawks to win the NHL Draft Lottery last night. Still lots of celebrations going on around CHGO. If you have not seen uh, the video of our own Mario Tirbiasi celebrating every pick that wasn't the Hawks last night and then going crazy, go check out the CHGO Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, the CHGO Blackhawks accounts. There's just some great content. Check out their podcast from last night. There was a lot of fun around here. Uh, But while that news is great and a lot of fun, The news is not so great, as I'm sure all of you listening know, for the Chicago Fire. And to wade through this muck that the Chicago Fire are in, I am joined by Fire beat writer Emeritus Guillermo Rivera, a guy who's been around this team much longer than I have and whose insights on all things Fire I always appreciate. So, Guillermo, thanks for coming in. Thanks Thanks for being on the pod. Yes, absolutely. You've seen a lot of managers, and we'll get to that because... The change is ever constant. Of course, the big news is that Ezra Hendrickson has been fired as head coach of the Chicago Fire after that 3-0 loss to Nashville. And in the wake of those numerous defensive collapses, uh, Frank Klopas is the interim coach. Again, uh, Zach Thornton and C.J. Brown staying around as assistants. And Guillermo, your initial reactions, I mean, I think we kind of all knew this was writing on the wall, but your initial reaction was what? Um, I thought initially, uh, from what I'd heard, that he would be at least given the St. Louis games to kind of get through and see if he can salvage something out of the week. Uh, it seemed like that game on, on Saturday was sort of a last straw because that was probably the worst, worst game of the year. There was really no chance that they were going to win that game. And it was, uh, you know, like we were talking earlier, at some point, during the first uh, 10 games or so, you thought, okay, there are some redeeming qualities. There's uh, a, a chance where you might get something out of this. At no time did the fire look like they were going to be competitive in that match. No, and we'll talk about the soccer specifically more later because that was just a different kind of bad. We've got a nice graphic made up, though, of comparing recent fire managers. And, you know, I think when we look at this, it kind of speaks to where things were at. You look at Ezra Hendrickson got 46 games in charge. You can more or less compare that to Rafael Vicky 
more or less the exact same tenure. Got one full season that wasn't great. Got the start of the next one and things got no better. So off they go. And in both cases, Mr. Klopas replaces him. Of course, Frank with 107 career games in charge. Uh, you know, he was the head coach for basically three full seasons back in the early 2010s. And then you got Pano in there. And in terms of points per game, for those just listening on audio, Klopas 1.54 points per match. So his fire teams were not great, but they weren't anything to scoff at back in the day. Then you've got Pano 1.21, Hendrickson 1.15, and Vicky at 0.98. So none of these are great. And it, it just kind of stands to reason that basically for the last decade this has just kind of been the state of things yeah and you mentioned Klopas being kind of the uh, the high point of, of that list you know I think he had 17 wins with you which is a number of the fire would kill for now yes uh, you know just looking at the history of the fire since Bob Bradley and Dave Sarakin they have eight managers and only one of those managers has lasted three seasons or more at eight one uh, Ponovich lasted I think four you know, Osorio, Hamlet, De Los Cobos, Klopas, Yallop, Panovich, Wiki, and now Hendrickson, and now Klopas again. None of those guys have lasted three seasons, no, except I, for Panovich, which is uh, goes a long way to telling you where, where this franchise is in terms of uh, advancing over the last almost two decades now. And Panovich currently managing uh, Chivas Guadalajara down in Liga MX. His name has actually been bantered around a little bit with some other MLS openings as a guy who's going to be on the radar, which, I mean, I guess makes sense. He he was the uh, the steward of the most successful fire season in the last 25, 20 years, basically, in 2017 <laughs> with that really fun run, which, of course, as I've talked about before in this show, ended with Georgi Mihailovic blowing his ACL and basically ushered in an entire downhill slide that the club has never really gotten out of. And before we go any further, Guillermo, I think a thing we should say is, and this has been true of the Fire's last two managers, people have really liked both Ezra Hendrickson and Raphael Vicky as people. Like, they are very nice guys. I, for all of us who've been in the media side, I think we've enjoyed talking to both of those guys tremendously. It just hasn't translated out of the field. So I think we, I think when you see some of the mixed reaction, and we'll pull up the first of several poll questions that we put out on CHGO Fire yesterday, asking fans, was Hendrickson the right... M- was Hendrickson the right move? Was firing Ezra the right decision? And, you know, it's we're about we're a little more we're a little two to one right now, I think, on that one as we as I try to take a look at the um the exact results so far. Should have set those to uh expire before the show started. But right now it is exactly two to one. Sixty seven thirty-three. Was it the right decision? to fire Ezra Hendrickson. And I think that kind of reflects that people like Ezra, people feel a little bad. They know he was dealt not a great hand, but the way we'd seen this team completely be unable to hold a lead, that's a that's a coaching issue and the substitution patterns and all of that. We've seen those problems. Yeah, there, there are issues that you can take with every manager in football, whether it be substitutions or uh, formations, alignments, tactics. You know, every manager in the world faces those sort of uh, second guesses. You know, you mentioned the second half or the late uh, goal collapses. I mean, this is not something that's new to defy or either because of uh, Ezra Hendrickson. I mean, he was uh, a well-liked guy by all accounts. And at at some point, changing the manager does very little for you. I I, I like Frank Lopez, and I hope he does well, but I have a hard time 
convincing myself that uh, they're suddenly going to become uh, a serious playoff contender. And if the goal, like uh, Jorge uh, Height said yesterday, was to make the playoffs, you're setting the bar awfully low. Um, you know, we went into this season with not a lot of expectations. Uh, I saw, uh, tweeted something yesterday about uh, the predictions on MLSsoccer.com. 12 writers uh, all pre- predicted the fire to finish 13th, 14th, or 15th. Mm-hmm. One of those 12 picked them 13th. Everybody else at 14 or 15th. So they were 11th, though maybe Ezra Henderson was uh, over-delivering. Well, yeah, well, that's the other right? thing, and we'll get to this in a second. You know, when nine teams are making the playoffs, even the Red Bulls, who have been awful, aren't out of it. Like, yeah. they could conceivably still turn things around. The fire right there, I mean, they're just a couple points out of a playoff spot right now. Got a couple notes in the chat already. Should have let Ezra coach tonight at least. I think that was the plan. Uh, I really do. I think the plan was probably to keep him through this week because it was so busy. But when how bad Nashville was, I don't know about that. And then we've got, so when does Heights get sacked? So of all the poll questions we put out yesterday, this was without question the most lopsided. Uh, It is 98 to 2 on uh, CHGO Fire Twitter right now. Should George Heights be sacked? The three of you who voted no, if you are listening if you could jump in the chat, I would love to hear your your reasoning for the Nova because that really, Guillermo, that's kind of the crux of it right now and is an interesting facet of the fire not hiring a new permanent coach. They've said it's Klopas the rest of the season. And so I think that kind of sheds some light on where ownership might be right now and just where this team is at, is at just kind of in limbo now. Yeah, that could be an indication of what Mansueto is thinking about um, the sporting director position. Um you know, typically you're not going to keep an interim coach for 20 some odd games in the season. You're going to, uh, if you feel you need to make a move and uh, Heights cited, uh, what did you say yesterday, that there were uh, inconsistencies in philosophy that came up suddenly over the last uh, few weeks that he thought he needed to make a change. Um, but, uh, you know, at some point uh, they're going to have to start looking for a new manager. And it sounds like uh, Heights may not be involved in that process. Yeah, and then we another tweet we put out yesterday was, should Heights be allowed to fill, should current management be allowed to fill the open DP spot? That was pretty overwhelmingly no, um, you know, it, which makes sense, again, that, that there is some roster flexibility here. But the thing we heard from a lot of people, even outside Chicago yesterday, was pointing out that the fire have not hit for value for money on a single designated I, player in Heights' time. The closest, we've talked about this on the show before, Robert Barrich is the closest they've come. He was a decent MLS striker, but you need better than decent in those positions. And yeah, I think we've seen it in the fan base and you've got to wonder beyond and in the fire offices too. It doesn't seem like there's much confidence left in the sporting department. No, well, that, that's the absolute killer to miss on DPs. And if you miss on that many in, in, consecutively, I'm, you really almost can't recover from it. Um, you know, you go out and get uh, Jordan Shakiri, and they paid him a lot of money and eight million dollars uh, a year. For some reason, uh, they felt they needed to make him the highest paid player in the league at the time, and they had no competition for him. Uh, no. So there was really, <laughs> from the start, you have to start second at second guessing uh, what Heights was thinking at that point. I mean, it was convenient because he had a relationship with Shakiri, um, so that that leads me to sort of think that um, maybe he can't forge relationships outside of, of those he already established in Switzerland because uh, you have to start looking uh, at his decision-making as 
something that, needs, that really needs to make be changed in order for this team to go forward. You have, uh, like I said, Shakiri, who had never really been the lead guy. He's always been accustomed to playing outside. Um, not really what you would look for in a number 10. Um, and they played him in that position. So maybe it was uh, a little bit unfair to Shakiri to expect him to come in there uh, and perform like some of the other big number 10s have coming into the league. But yeah, again, that's clearly been the position, the way MLS roster rules work and the way things are structured, right. the spot uh, where you're where you spend. Spend. the yeah. spot where you're clearly encouraged to spend is in those attacking midfield positions. We saw that in the national game, which we'll get to in a minute. And yeah, I mean, Shakiri, the last time he we talked about this when he was signed, Pat McCraney and I, the last time he was an every game important player to a team was that Stoke City team that was just a complete mess right. and got relegated from the Premier League. Like, that was the last good... Not good. That was the last, you know, consistent run of games for and being important to a team that Shakiri played. Frank Klopas yesterday said, hinted at, he's open to playing Shakiri in a different position and the, the obvious thing being to get Shakiri and Brian Gutierrez both on the field. At the same time, uh, he like, said he feels like this team is the talent to make the playoffs, which... Of course it does. I mean, they're barely out of a playoff spot. It's just the situation where you got to figure there's a way to take the collection of players on that roster and make them something better than what they are right now. That will be interesting to see. I heard uh, Klopas mention yesterday that uh, they'll think about playing him outside. But again, if you're going to play outside MLS, you have to be willing to work. And there's a question about whether or not Shakiri is willing to put in that work uh, in MLS. Last year, he was... Uh, sort of sidetracked with uh, the World Cup, and I, I, I guess that's un- understandable to some people. I mean, uh, to me, if you're making $8 million a year, your focus should be on the people who are paying your salary. Uh, this year, he, uh, he's had some injuries on and he's been on and off the pitch, so he hasn't been at full strength. But again, um, I, I've highlighted several times over the last year and a half instances where he's just not working and standing and walking toward the play. There was an mm-hmm. instance uh, in the first half um, uh, this last game against Nashville, we didn't resort, resort in, uh, in a goal, uh, but uh, he basically stood there and watched uh, a, a pass come into Mukhtar uh, that Brady had to make a save on, and yes. he was walking toward toward, toward uh, the middle of the middle of the pitch with really no pressure on the passer. Uh, shout out to, I think, maybe my favorite name I've ever seen in our chat before, Baloney Fonseca, mm-hmm. uh, saying he's usually in the White Sox chat, but uh, he's been a fire fan for a long time. Heights is Han. Han is Heights. I, I think there are some comparisons there. Um, the noticeable exception being that the fire ownership is willing to spend money. It just hasn't been spent well. And that on the White Sox side, Rick Han is not given much money to spend. And then you can quibble with how he has spent the minimal money he has. So yeah, heights might be guard packs. Maybe them. Yeah, it's a circle. It's Chicago sports. <laughs> we can't have nice things. Uh, so before we take our first break here, Guillermo, if you're the fire, you know, let's say heights gets fired. Let's say we get to the end of the season. Heights, his contract is up anyway. Let's say him and Sebastian Pelzer both go. The, the normal process of things in sports is you hire the GM slash sporting director first, and then they have a big role in hiring the manager. Is that, though, what the fire should do? It feels like the fire might be in a position where if they've got a short list of head coaches they really want, maybe going after the the best head coach you can get is the more important thing here? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to bring in another head coach and keep Heights and uh, Sebastian Pelzer, you're setting yourself up for just repeating the cycle again. 
and a, and the head coaches who are top of that list probably aren't going to be interested because they've people talk and these are people who are going to know Ezra who are going to know Vicky and they're going to call That's and right. ask be like hey what went wrong there yeah I, I don't see why a head coach who has uh, winning experience and is able to basically call his shots uh, and where he might go would be willing to come into a place that has uh, that sort of direction at <laughs> uh, the top of the reputation. Yeah. So the name that's being thrown out, obviously, uh, no, not Jesse Marsh. Jesse is in town today. And I'm sure there's at least going to be some, <laughs> some sarcastic conversations because I think we could all expect that uh, Jesse might be, as we speak, meeting with some other people in an office building here in downtown Chicago about a, a different uh, coaching opening. So uh, Jesse Marsh probably off the table, but Jim mm. Curtin, there's been this weird thing in Philly. He hasn't signed a contract extension. It's up at the end of the year. And everybody around Major League Soccer for months now has been befuddled by, if you're Philly, why aren't you just continuously upping whatever the money is until Jim says yes? Yeah. So it seems like Jim Curtin's going to leave Philadelphia. And much like I wanted the fire to back up the Brinks truck for Garth Lagerway when he left Seattle and that didn't happen, Jim Curtin kind of feels like the same thing in the coaching sphere of if Jim's interested, get him in here and then figure everything else out after that. Yeah. If there is one guy that's readily, readily available within MLS, that's attainable, <laughs> that has a history of winning within MLS, understands a process, understands the fire, understands Chicago, it would be Jim Curtin. So mm -hmm. you know, we tweeted this in the last uh, six months or so that Jim Curtin would be the guy to go after. And if uh, Mansueto wants to turn this around, he should seriously take a look at bringing in Jim Curtin and handing him the keys, whether you want to manage, whether you want to be the sporting director slash manager, if you want to bring in uh, your own sporting director, that would be the way to go. Yeah, because, I mean, we've talked about this too. Look at look at what Cincinnati did. Cincinnati was like, hmm, we're bad. Who runs things well? Oh, Philly runs things well. Let's just steal their sporting department. Hey, right. look, we're good now. Um, And yeah, Curtin, I mean, maybe he's got his eyes on the national team job. J Jim Curtin... And we'll allude to this later in the episode, too. Jim Curtin is very much a national team over club guy. So I think that's something to watch out for, too. He's also mentioned he would be willing to be an assistant coach for the USMNT, which is relevant if Jesse Marsh gets that job. They are close friends and have kind of similar ideologies on the game. So something to be aware of uh, quickly here. Other coaches who have ties to MLS and are currently out of work. Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira, uh, Greg Berhalter. Uh, no European offer for him yet, but I think he's probably waiting for some air to clear. I would think around some other things. If you've got any ideas, uh, throw it in the chat. Show Marsh the money tonight. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think money is really going to be a thing that Jesse Marsh is particularly interested in at the moment. He just managed a Premier League team for a year and a half. I think he is yeah, doing... I would think just, that Jesse Marsh has a higher respiration than coming in here and um, fixing this mess. Uh, yeah, uh, he's got some uh, some bigger things to do. But, you know, hey, maybe he could be playing at Soldier Field, coaching a team in the coming months if things move quickly enough but anyway enough about all of the coaching stuff we are going to talk about some soccer but first another reminder that today's episode of chgo fire is brought to you by DraftKings sportsbook the official betting partner of chgo and the all city network there's some great stuff going on in the app right now particularly those nba playoff no sweat same game parlays mlb betting is in full season i'm a uh 
maybe too into soccer betting sometimes. I've had some very good days. I've had some very bad days. Betting on MLS is not for the faint of heart. Uh, betting on the Premier League these days also not for the faint of heart. Did see a great superstar boost. Uh, Sean Anderson from the CHGO White Sox podcast posted this, that you can get Erling Holland anytime goal scorer at plus money today in Champions League against Real Madrid, which Holland normally runs about minus 300 as an anytime goal scorer, at least in Premier League games. So that is some incredible value. So I have had some good days lately, some not so good days. I mean, if you watch the Premier League games of the weekend, there was like 20 goals in three games. So I, I did, I think, maybe make the easiest like six bucks of my life by betting <laughs> over 2.5 total goals for Nottingham Forest against Southampton. After the crazier first two games, I'm like, well, certainly this one has to follow the theme. And it did a seven-goal relegation thriller. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, uh, Guillermo, should we talk about some soccer? Sure. You know, I do enjoy watching the MLS odds because... uh, Fires odds uh, every weekend are always interesting. I mean, the fire. If you're are, betting on MLS, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, St. Louis City's plus three hundred to win tonight in the Open Cup. The fire like minus one twenty. I don't know what Vegas knows. Like for example, it leaked out yesterday. Well, not even leaked out. Like LAFC is full on sending kids. So maybe there's something Vegas knows that we don't about the team that is rolling in to St. Louis tonight. To be honest, and we'll get into this toward the end. I think. St. Louis and the Fire have opposite incentives this week. St. Louis should care more about the MLS game because they're flying high and they have a chance to maybe host a home playoff game in that beautiful stadium in their first season of the league. Fire, I think, should prioritize the Open Cup game. So maybe the teams are just going to kind of shake hands this week and be like, all right, you take this one, we'll take this one, and we'll all move on with our lives. Yeah, the Fire, I agree with you, should prioritize MLS or U.S. Open Cup. I think they've got a better chance of... uh, winning something uh, there than they do uh, in MLS. You know, Frank Klopas and C.J. Brown are uh, at the helm now, so I, I, nobody knows more about the importance of the U.S. Open Cup than both of those guys, and it may be a, a point, point of emphasis with the team uh, now that Klopas is in charge. Yeah, and again, we've got a League's Cup coming up in that break in the summer, and there's going to be a chance there for the Fire to maybe do something. Their group, I would say, is favorable. I believe it's uh, Pachuca. And Minnesota United, I think. Pachuca or Puebla, I always get them confused. They are the same team in my head. Um, I think maybe it's a a derby for a Seves. We'll see. Anyway, (laughs) Nashville 3, Fire 0. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what a designated player is supposed to look like. Hani Mukhtar with a hat trick. He just ran that game. Yes, two of the goals were penalties, but he played well enough to deserve all three goals. And I think that's got to be the main takeaway. It's why don't the Fire have one of those guys because Mukhtar I mean he's the reigning MVP for a reason he's electric to watch and you can just you don't even have to be that keen observer of MLS geez even of soccer to watch 10 minutes of that game and be like oh yeah number 10 in yellow is the best player on the field yeah and that's his second hat trick against the fire as well Mm. you know why don't the fire have um, someone like that on their roster because they've got the wrong people picking the players I think it's as simple as that some of that is uh by the technical staff or the sporting directors establishing relationships that are long plays. So you start having conversations with guys knowing that, hey, they may be available a year or two from now, and it eventually comes to fruition. Sometimes it happens quickly and just happen uh, to stumble onto somebody by luck, just uh, 
coming out of a club or a contract ending that uh, doesn't end the way that uh, you like it. But really, it comes down to the guys in charge of picking the players. That's why the Fire don't have players like that. Uh, you know, in the past, there's been a uh, reluctance um, during the Hopman era to spend big money on the high-end players like that. And, and to Hopman's credit, toward the end of his tenure, he did spend some more uh, toward player salaries. But there, there isn't that restriction now. Uh, Mansueto is willing to spend money. I, I don't know. I don't know what's worse, spending money badly or not spending the money and still losing. Yeah, there was a somebody commented yesterday. There was a question that was like, "Who's done more damage, Hopman or Heights?" And and my response there would be, well, one of those people like wasn't investing any money at all for a long time. And one of them has been given money to invest and not done it well. I think those are kind of apples and oranges. I don't know if you can really compare them. And yeah, Hani Mukhtar, just looking it up, a guy who was, ex, who was really good at Bromby, who are perennially good in the Danish top flight. He's German, so he... As a guy whose talent was mm-hmm. not valued by teams in Germany, he came up through the Hertha Berlin Academy and then was briefly at Benfica, and he's really found his footing in Nashville. The Fire rolled out an interesting lineup for this game. They switched to a 3-5-2, which, while I think that might be the best possible setup for Jordan Shakiri, involved benching Brian Gutierrez, which at this point just feels like kind of an unconscionable decision. Yeah, that was odd, and uh, Hendrickson pointed toward... Uh some sort of a groin injury that, that kept him out of the starting lineup. And again, he was well enough to come in early in the second half. So, uh, yeah, to, to continue to uh, play Gutierrez over Shakiri to me is unconscionable. Um, we'll see what uh, Klopas does now if uh, Shakiri moves the outside, tries to figure a way, like we talked earlier about getting them both in the lineup. But if it comes down to one or the other, um, you have to really look past the eight and a half million dollars to paying Sh- they're paying Shakiri yeah, and go cost. with the players that give you the better chance to win. Yeah, there's a question in the chat: Do the Fire buy out Shakiri and look towards 2024 at the end of this year? He's got one more year on that deal. Um, I mean, they it, they can buy out one player every year. So I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's possible. It's, it's easy to say they just should. Are the Fire going to be willing to eat nine million dollars to then go spend right. a bunch of money on somebody else? Who knows? To your point, though, Guillermo, I think you kind of have to forget about Shakiri's salary. And even if he's here for one more year, you just kind of got to figure it around that. If you've got open designated player spots, it is what it is. Um, maybe the worst thing in this game, though, is early on, Rafael Shihos gets subbed off injured, which the defense, whatever Ezra had planned defensively, it all just gets chucked in the bin. And that's not yeah. Ezra's fault. That's not any player's fault. What happens here? Because the fire have been plagued with injuries. Shios goes out hurt. Now you're playing a back four with Burks, right. who's young, and Amsberg, who was just getting back to full fitness and regular minutes. And it was kind of a mess from there. It feels like even worse than the 3-0 loss is if Shios is going to miss several. This is a busy schedule right now for the fire. If Shios is out for a few weeks, like that's that's a like four-alarm fire. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. It, they have been unfortunate injury-wise to start this the year. So, again, to make the decision... To uh, fire Hendrickson, it's it's not all because Ezra Ezra Hendrickson didn't know what he was doing. Um, There are circumstances that uh, he wasn't particularly responsible for that, and then that's the nature of pro sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, The head coach usually ends up taking taking the fall when it's not entirely his fault. And you look at what's coming up next for the Fire after St. Louis. They're at Charlotte, Mm -hmm. then Atlanta, at New England, at Toronto. So things could go south fairly quickly. TFC is probably the weakest of those opponents. 
at Charlotte is a difficult game because road games in MLS are are difficult. And there's also just some ghosts from maybe the worst of the collapses we've ever seen from the fire <laughs> on the road in Charlotte last year. There's also then the uh, a double of Ohio opponents after that with Cincinnati and Columbus. So, yeah, yeah the next month is not a fun time. No. Schedule-wise for the fire, Klopas, Brown, and Thornton certainly have their work cut out. Uh, before we move ahead, Guillermo, to the games this week, this was a sort of, this was a different sort of bad from the fire. The thing that fans have become tired of is, oh, they take a lead, oh, they're in a game, and then late on, the subs don't work, things collapse, and it looks like this team just doesn't know what to do when they're asked to defend as a unit. They just got steamrolled in this game, and, you know, maybe they knew Ezra Hendrickson was getting fired. Who knows? But this was just, you, you alluded to it earlier, this was probably the worst performance of the season, and thus you can understand why any plans of waiting to fire had... Ezra Hendrickson or giving him a little more time, it all kind of goes out the window because that was just 90 minutes of bad soccer. Yeah, I, I my guess is that sort of pushed up the move and rather than say, okay, let's give him a couple, of, let's give him the two St. Louis games to find out whether or not there's anything to salvage. Um, you look at that game and the uh, the effort that was put forth in that game and say, well, if we're going to make the move, let's make it now. I, I, to me, that that seems like what uh, what took place. But Going on the road in MLS, again, is difficult. If you're going to put out a lineup that's geared toward uh, saving people to play for the U.S. Open Cup, that's what's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you kind of can't have it both ways. So we get the St. Louis-Chicago double feature this week. Open Cup tonight, MLS match on Saturday. I really wish one of these matches was in St. Louis because I want an excuse to go see a game at City Park. Right. That place looks unbelievable in terms of a place to go see a game um also weirdly the uh, maybe this is beyond the fire's control but tickets for tonight are only available on Ticketmaster through the club $30 starting price that's before Ticketmaster puts all their fees on top that's before parking uh meanwhile tweeted this out before our podcast game time who I'll tell you more about in a few minutes had some great deals on baseball tickets tonight you could go to the Cubs game for five bucks a ticket tonight on the game time app click the link in the show notes um yeah so just like it's this feels like a game that you should want to go to and between the team being bad it being a little for me i live in the city so it's not as easy to get to i have to then pay for parking in addition to getting there uh yeah i i uh we're not a financial advice podcast but i don't know if i can uh and i i can encourage fans to go to fire games i don't know how strongly i can recommend going to this particular Fire yeah, game. and they had a, I thought, a nice crowd for the first U.S. Open Cup game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, potentially maybe they're looking at the St. Louis fans coming up <laughs> and, and uh, buying thirty dollars, thirty or forty dollars tickets. So uh, I, I guess putting games on at uh, Toyota, at the, I've called it Toyota Park. Toyota there, Park at Seagate the Seagate Stadium isn't particularly uh, inexpensive. So yeah, this is not thirty dollars fire problem. We've seen several, um, and the Red Stars deal with a bit of this as well. We've seen plenty of events take place at SeatGeek Stadium that the prices seem oddly high. So that tells me it's really not on the team in question who was playing there that night. It's a bit situation beyond their control. But anyway, doubleheader this week. St. Louis City, of course, have been surprisingly excellent. They're currently second in the Western Conference. They had that great undefeated run to start the season but as I mentioned earlier, Guillermo, and maybe Ezra Hendrickson would already agree with this based on the Nashville lineup, 
Tonight feels like a game they have to win. Just for morale, for having something to shoot for, just in general, you've got to win this game. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. You've got to have something to keep the fans' interest in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, for the most part, does keep the hardcore fan base interested. Mm-hmm. Um, going uh, St. Louis, it'll be at home, so they've got a little bit of a of a leg up there, just kind of looking at the odds for the weekend game. Uh, St. Louis is slightly favored uh, on the weekend, but it's uh, not a, a wide margin. Um, so I, I think the focus does have to be placed on uh, coming out of the today with a win. So uh, Again, we mentioned earlier, the schedule upcoming is tough. The St. Louis doubleheader starts off a bit of a brutal stretch for the fire headed towards summer, but hopefully there is something this week to come out of it. Also, it's a nice opportunity to kick start what I think down the road can be a really true rivalry between the fire and St. Louis, the yeah. fire for a long time. Haven't had anybody else within a three hour drive of them in major league soccer. They still don't actually St. Louis is about the same distance away as Cincinnati in terms of driving there, but it just it feels closer. It feels more meaningful. The club have put out some cool marketing stuff to advertise these two games, St. Louis City doing likewise. So I, I really do hope in the next few years we see this develop into a sort of friendly rivalry that we see other MLS teams have, and the Fire really haven't been able, even be have been granted the opportunity to cultivate this sort of thing. Yeah, I guess the closest real consistent uh, rival over... X amount of years is Columbus Mm -hmm. and that rivalry even uh, has sort of waned over the last couple of years for whatever reason. And you mentioned earlier that the fire schedule coming up, they've played seven of their first 11 games at home this year, Mm -hmm. which does not bode well for the remainder of the season, seeing that they Uh, have to catch up the points that they've dropped at home and winning an MLS is uh, away is never easy. So they've already squandered a large opportunity to uh, stock up some points at home uh, that are, Gone. You can't get you can't get those back. Great uh, comment in the chat. As someone who spends too much money in the fire, go to tonight's game. <laughs> you, you you heard the man again. I do not offer financial advice. Tonight's game should be fun, and it could be a great opportunity to see the fire get a much needed win. I mentioned them earlier. Today's show is also brought to you by Game Time, and you know certainly there's lots of big events this summer. I mentioned already that there's some great opportunities today to go buy some baseball tickets. Cubs and Cardinals this week, speaking of Chicago against St. Louis. Uh, Watch out Wilson Contreras. Yeah, go go say hi to Wilson Contreras. There's some great deals available for both the Fire this weekend and the Red Stars coming up. I personally, as I've mentioned before, as somebody who did not get tickets the first time and keeping an eye on game time offers for Taylor Swift tickets because, (laughs) you know, any way you can get those prices down is great so you can make it a little less stressful and a little less expensive with game time the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee i mean i've looked at i was looking through the game time app today lots of great stuff the white Sox game their next home game coming up in a couple days you can get like five dollar tickets i think to that although that's a little less notable than the cubs given the white Sox current struggles there's always flash deals last minute tickets you can keep an eye right up until first pitch or kickoff or tip off of whatever game you're trying to get to for the best deals so forget planning months in advance game time has deals on tickets right up to the day and to the time of the event you can even get 
images and pictures of the view from your seat ahead of time better than any of the other websites that are out there and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds no going through and logging into multiple accounts so snag tickets without the stress on game time download the game time app create an account and use code chgo for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code chgo for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed also, it's time for the DraftKings pick of the week. I mentioned already tonight that St. Louis is plus 300 to win, but I generally don't like advertising people to bet against the fire. And also, I think we'd agree that there's maybe a little bit more in this tonight for the fire, so that probably wouldn't be wise. What I did see, though, there are three MLS teams in the next couple nights in the Open Cup playing against USL opponents. If you parlay all three of them to win... It's plus 313 on DraftKings. <laughs> now, there is that caveat that LAFC is sending literally a group of children to play Monterey Bay. The other te- the other games being Miami against Charleston and New England versus Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Again, if you bet Miami, LAFC, and New England to all win as a parlay, that's plus 313. Cup sets happen, weird things happen, but that seemed to me like awfully good odds for three MLS teams to beat three USL championship teams. I, I wouldn't put it past the LAFC kids to win. No, because they've got something to play for. Yeah. It's honestly, you almost feel better with the kids than you do like the bench warmers of the first team because <laughs> the kids are trying to earn pro contracts. They're trying to really make a show of it. You know, it's so it's going to be interesting uh, the fire game tonight is on the BR football YouTube page. I think several other of the games will be there as well. U.S. Open Cup has kind of been odd this year with a bunch of people streaming them in different locations. So I would recommend checking out your your local uh, soccer app of choice, whether that's FOTMOB or anything else, for confirmation of the broadcasting situations. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about today, this has been bantering around and has now been kind of overshadowed by the Ezra News. Mm-hmm. One of the last things Ezra Hendrickson said publicly and that then George Heights followed up with over at The Athletic in an interview with Tom Bogert is that Brian Gutierrez and Chris Brady will not be released for the U-20 World Cup. Um, I feel pretty, I have a strong take on this, but I realize that my priorities might not align with a lot of Fire fans. I'm My soccer allegiances are very much national team first yeah i'm kind of in that jim Curtin mold of i'm in favor of whatever is good for the u.s men and u.s women's national teams ultimately that's kind of where my primary allegiances lie so i'm really disappointed that gutierrez in particular won't be going um chris brady a little less so given that there's not a guarantee he would be getting minutes him and gaga slanina would be battling for the number one shirt there Mm -hmm. i would think though they would have both gotten time in the group stage of that tournament, there's a couple opponents there that don't look particularly tough. Um, both of these guys were definitely going to be on the roster. Guillermo, where are you at on this? Because it feels like there's some mixed incentives here for MLS teams. Yeah, there, there's not a clear black and white here. There's a, a lot of gray, um, it, and it's depends on and not even so much country to country. It's kind of club to club um, whether or not you release your players. Uh, it, you mentioned you're more geared toward what's good for the national team. 
I, I think the fire here are obviously looking at what's good for the fire in the mm-hmm. short term. Which um, is keeping those guys around. Like, undeniably, yeah. Brian yeah. Gutierrez and... <laughs> Brian Gutierrez in particular makes the fire a better soccer team. Yeah, my, my view is essentially what is good for the player? What does the player want? That should be the priority, to make the players feel like you are going to back their decisions regardless of whether it's good for you in the short term. If it's good for the national team in the long term, all the better. But if the player feels like they are going to be helped to develop or advance in their careers by participating in a, I've seen some people call it a uh, friendly tournament. It's not a glorified friendly tournament. This is a World Cup tournament for the the best young players in the world. It is also soccer's equivalent of the NFL Combine. Like, this is the tournament where scouts from every big club on the planet will be here watching every game. And if you want to up your transfer fee a bit for a promising young player on your roster, if they play well at this tournament, maybe you end up selling sooner than you wanted to, but there's great value to be had here from a selling team perspective to get players moves to bigger clubs. I mean, this is a showcase of a tournament. I mean, if you tuned in years ago if you're like me and follow some of this a bit too closely the u.s team included guys like tim Weah and josh Sargent, yeah. um paxton pomichael whose career has not gone as well sebastian soto whose career hasn't gone as well but it's you're gonna get one or two guys off of these teams who go on and do really impressive things there's gonna be people in the lineup who are playing in top five European leagues in a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, that's why, as a player, it's important for you to participate in those type of tournaments. Uh, you know, you, you, um, uh, the, uh, Brad uh, Brady. Yeah, uh, they could have let him go, and they could have easily slotted in uh, Richie, and they wouldn't see a, a big drop off in quality. I think uh, uh, Brady is still working his way into being a top fly, top flight MLS goalkeeper. Yeah, so he's, he's getting the match there. experience that's yeah. going to get him there. It's much like with Gaga. It's the same thing of we know Chris is going to make some mistakes, but we also believe that with time and experience, he's going to be really, really, really good. And I think everybody still believes that. And it's unfortunate because Chris was the goalkeeper in qualifying, won the Golden Glove, played very well in that tournament. And you do have to wonder, I know Heights literally gave that interview to The Athletic like two days ago, but given everything going on over the next week, if I'm Brian Gutierrez, I might just be sticking my head in Frank Klopas' office and saying, hey, can we talk about this again? Because, I mean, you look at Gutierrez in particular, don't you just play Shakiri? Like, this is the thing, it's like, <laughs> maybe you're a worse soccer team, but like, it's, it really feels like you talk about what the players want based on interviews Chris Brady wanted to go, but has been pretty understanding for a while that he realized he might not be able to because he's starting in MLS and he really wants to do that. Gutierrez, by all accounts, really wanted to yeah, go. My, and, you, and you'd wonder if there's going to be a late push here to see if he can get, convince anybody to change their mind. Yeah, it's my understanding that Gutierrez was very upset. But again, this wasn't a sole Ezra, Ezra Hendrickson decision. This was a no. decision made by Heights and... Uh, the technical staff or the, te- the technical staff mm-hmm. to keep them here uh, out of concern for the upcoming schedule. And it was, uh, and you can't blame them for this because at some point uh, the results uh, are going to point back to the manager. And obviously it has in, in this case, but again, you have to think about what the players desires here and what potentially could become from, could come for the player from participating in the tournament of that nature. Um, is it, uh, is it a couple of games in MLS uh, outweigh participating in the uh, World Cup tournament? No. But again, 
certain clubs put a different weight on it. Who's, who's to say they're wrong? Yeah. So a note of kind of the landscape, basically the fire kind of kicked off this whole thing of um, saying that they weren't going to release their players. Well, Ezra Hendrickson in a press conference said uh, pr- basically probably not. He didn't say it officially. And then that just opened up Pandora's box. A lot of questions got asked. And so we know that Philly are going to release their players. They always do. So that's the likes of Jack McGlynn and Quinn Sullivan going from there. Atlanta is releasing Caleb Wiley. They're very impressive left back slash left winger. San Jose is releasing Cade Cowell. The Red Bulls are releasing Daniel Edelman. Um, New England, not releasing Noel Buck, who's been a very promising center midfielder for them. Pretty apples to apples comparison with the Gutierrez situation there. New England, a better team. Buck has been a starter for them. Um, the LA Galaxy are in a weird spot. They're going to let Mauricio Cuevas go. The right back, almost certainly, he doesn't really get minutes for the first team. But they're currently integrating Jalen Neal in as a starting center back. It sounds like he is not going to be released. Um, and then the wild cards are guys from Europe. You'd have to think that Philly alumnus Paxton Aronson, who's currently coming off the bench for Frankfurt in the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. he'll probably be there. I really want to see the U.S. take a shot at getting Ricardo Pepe out of the Netherlands because Groningen are getting relegated. Like, that season is over. Yes, him scoring goals in losses is kind of fun, like, from a U.S. perspective, <laughs> but... Let's see if Ricardo Pepe can go to the U-20 World Cup, bang in some goals and drum up transfer interest because Augsburg also do not want anything to do with him at this point. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. The players would have missed several games. The travel is a little easier now that it's in Argentina and not the Philippines. It's going to be interesting to see what that roster ends up being. It's a busy summer on the national team side. You've got two potential different camps, the Gold Cup and Nations League this summer. So for a guy like Brian Gutierrez in particular, I think there's going to be a chance this summer to get minutes, and it could be a bit of an odd situation if he gets called in to say the Gold Cup squad when the fire can't really say no at that point because it's the senior team in an official FIFA competition. So, yeah, there could be some interesting uh, chicken being played here, and... Who knows? Things can still change. The roster is not officially announced. At the very least, Fire fans, Gaga Slanina will be in that team. It looks like will be the starting goalkeeper for that team. So you will have a connection no matter what. Again, uh, Fire tonight on the BR Football YouTube page in Open Cup against St. Louis. And then they do it all over again on Saturday afternoon, I believe. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff. That's a little different. So just plan accordingly there. I think it might be getting some national TV attention. So something to be aware of. Well, that's the, the odd thing about the MLS setup. They played all of the early games at uh, Soldier Field at night, and now they've got a game in May that they're playing in the middle of the afternoon. It just makes no sense. Uh, you mean MLS start times, MLS scheduling. It's going to be interesting to see how that changes because fans have voiced some things that wouldn't it make more sense to spread these games out? The whip around show is great. I love the idea, yeah. but you can maybe, they stagger it only an hour right now in two sets of games, maybe spread it out one more hour. So you've got two hours of soccer and then you can get everybody to try to move over to the next two hours. Yeah, of And it soccer. would be nice to catch some of the games that you're not particularly a fan of and, and teams that aren't playing at the same time. It would be nice to have an afternoon window with two or three, two or three games going. 
It would, but you know what? We don't make decisions for when soccer is broadcast, and we don't make decisions for the Chicago Fire about managers, <laughs> players, or anything else. And they haven't listened to us for those before, and I don't think that it's going to start now, but we can certainly hope that maybe there's some closure ahead. It's tough to know what to make of the rest of this season, but I think we'll just have to take it one week at a time. A reminder that we will have another episode one week from today. We will talk about the two St. Louis games and look ahead to that absolutely brutal schedule that the fire have coming up in late May and through June. But thank you very much to Guillermo Rivera for coming on in. Guillermo, always appreciate your insights on all things fire. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I always uh, appreciate the invite and whether or not it's uh, wins or losses, more often than not it's losses, but... Uh, it's always fun talking about the fire. A newsy episode, nonetheless. Thank you, everybody, for watching on YouTube or listening wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Campbell, and I will see you next week.